93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Glad that you have joined us. Uh, very pleased to welcome to the Eagle Studios. John Hall, who is a serial entrepreneur uh, here in Columbia, has been involved with a lot of companies like Calendar.com and and uh, uh, Relevance and and many other businesses. And uh, when I say he's a serial entrepreneur, he it has nothing to do with the Captain Crunch or the grape nuts you may, may be eating right now. It actually has to do with somebody like a serial killer, right, John? Exactly. <laughs> I always compare myself to a serial killer. <laughs> well, it's great to have you uh, in the studio. I have been able to observe you from afar. I I, I have. I don't know you well, but I really have been impressed every encounter I've had with you because you're a really sharp guy and you've been very successful uh, at building businesses. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that process today and and learn more about some of the companies that you've been involved with. And and uh, and I, I think our, our listeners will in, will enjoy hearing uh, your story. Let's start off by kind of just talking about where you grew up and, and where you went to school. Yeah, so I'm from Peoria, Illinois. Um, I was blessed to have a pretty strong uh, family life with mom and dad and mentorship uh, there. And so, um, you know, I'm fortunate to to have that background. And then uh, they also supported me at a fairly young age to do more entrepreneurial activities. Like my mom would, you know, take me to uh, sell door to door, you know, sausages, popcorn, pizza, yeah. terrible products, but somehow I got them to. I mean, if you can be a first grader that sells terrible popcorn and pizza, you can sell anything. Now, were you selling this for the school, for scouts, or for yourself? Yeah, it was just for fundraisers. So oh, we, okay. she, you yeah. know, she was big on, you know, uh, it's kind of two things: uh, a, you know, supporting the community, and and or and we were fundraising for people, and yeah. b, just you know, learning how to communicate to others. And so she was really big on, um, you know, because she traveled a lot for her dad's. Or her dad was uh, at a position he was moving every couple years so she was always like hey you know meet different people when you see somebody by themselves in the lunchroom sit down by them and you know get to know them and so some of those values got pretty early and uh as crazy as it is that entrepreneurial and like that social side of me came out pretty early so that was a i was very blessed to have that uh the entrepreneurial side of it came out in third grade that's when people um you know i know we talked about i started as an entrepreneur when i was 18 I was a legit entrepreneur at 18. I would say that in third grade, that's where my entrepreneurial journey started. Mm-hmm. So when I was um, in third grade, I actually got suspended because I <laughs> created a lunch brokerage system um, where I would talk to certain kids and get them their parents to pack them like Twinkies because I could get more value out of Twinkies and Gushers than like Ding Dongs. So I created this system where um, it, it started cutting into the hot lunch uh, business for the yeah, school because you know. We, I was brokering lunches and getting people to do that. So uh, I made a decent amount of money, but I did get in trouble. Um, <laughs> Who wants the uh, tuna boat when you can have uh, uh, gushers? Well, exactly. Instead. I mean, it's a very simple <laughs> lesson to learn as a young entrepreneur is that find out what people value and put a value to that and sell it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. So I uh, talked about your school. Did you go to Bradley University? No, no. Okay. I, I actually, crazy. I mean, we're nobody's there. Like, uh, we're in the trust circle, so I can tell yeah. you the truth, yeah. Fred, since nobody's we're, be- listening. we're yeah. becoming better friends. So. <laughs> 
know, let's, let's be real. <laughs> um, basically, I was uh, I had a, uh, offered to go to Miami, Ohio, uh, North Carolina, oh. uh, some really big uh, yeah. business schools. Well, a guy named Jim Bixby in Peoria got to uh, he was a kind of a consultant that got my parents to say, hey, you should check out Mizzou. Heard really good things. Well, it just so happens that I met on that Mizzou trip a girl that I was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. Like this could be, you know, like you know, I, I just got best the, reason to pick a school once yeah. again. And we were, yeah. you know, I, it was it was right around the time the Notebook and things came out, or you know, uh, Nicholas Sparks novels. So uh, I was in this romantic stage where I was like, you know, it's you know, let's just go and actually, you know, I'll just go to Mizzou and like this this awesome girl's going that way. Anyway, she ended up not coming here. Oh, so um, so yeah, brilliant yeah, bait and switch. <laughs> so I wasn't the smartest seventeen. <laughs> Um, but basically, um, you know, ended up coming here and as crazy as it, as it was, um, you know, I had a, you know, everything happens for a reason in life and it's, it's how you react to those. And so I came here, I was a little lonely, made a, uh, made a friend where, um, in the dorms, which was really unfortunate is that he was actually uh, shot at a party here my freshman year. And so it actually, wow. um, put me into a deep depression where I was pretty sad. And, yeah. um, to recover from that situation, we, um, you know, I was around some other good people and, uh, and I worked really hard. Uh, doing three jobs I worked at if you don't remember Dolly's uh, was one Blockbuster I worked at oh yeah of course yeah, I don't know if you remember, <laughs> we remember that uh, uh, and I mowed the yards and I saved money and ended up um, uh, actually buying a house uh, actually my business partner on that house um, was Travis Cook He's, he owns Convergence oh yeah Financial. absolutely sure yeah, so I had to go to 30, so we had to go to like 30-something banks. Finally, it was like a connection down in New Era, Farmington, Missouri, where we got our, uh, you know, the first loan as an 18-year-old, flipped a house. Um, wow. You know, I'm still friends with him to that day, but that yeah. was the, the start of a partnership where uh, then I, I ended up going pretty strong into real estate and, and started in student housing, and that's how I started the journey. Wow, that's that's impressive. I um, And and so really, your your education was really happening outside of the classroom. I mean, you were learning quite about uh, a lot about life and a lot about, uh, um, you know, I think that one of the things I've told my two sons, they're 25 and 23, uh, you know, you can spend your entire life in a career or you can get into real estate in your early 20s and uh, and really become wealthy. You know what I mean? And that's that's really kind of a, a great way to, to really gain financial security is through real estate. And so you discovered that very early. Yeah, I would yeah. definitely say is that it's uh, even if it's not real, I love real estate. I think it's you're right in saying that. But I think that just finding something that people value and being able to monetize in a way. And yeah. so that's to me uh, what, what I did was I found friends uh, at college that wanted certain things with housing. Once I figured out what they wanted, I would go find it. Yeah. Then I would put it under contract while they were signing leases. Once they signed the leases, then I'd close. And yeah. so uh, it's it's not just about what you get into. It's how you get into it as yeah. well. Yeah, very, that's fascinating. I, um, of course, Travis Cook has, has started a company here. Uh, I remember he was a Waddell and Reed a financial advisor uh, several years ago, left for a while, came back to Columbia and, and started this uh company called Convergence, which is sort of a under one roof, uh, under one umbrella. They have uh, lawyers and and uh, financial planners and, and CPAs and, and uh, really it looks like a very successful business. So it looks like he's uh, he's doing well, too. So uh, you guys are drinking the same water, it sounds like. <laughs> I'm very proud of him based on how uh, his wife, uh, we're, I mean, we're still good friends this day, and it's funny, his wife makes fun. She's like, John, I'm just telling you, I, like knowing you two goofballs in college, I thought there was a zero percent <laughs> chance you guys would both be on this route. And she's Stuck around. That's great. She that's, did. Yeah, that's a good, smart woman. Um, 
I want to talk a little bit about the, the personality. One of the things that we're going to talk about, I want to talk about some of your companies in, in, in the upcoming segments because you really have, have done some very, uh, unique, uh, creative companies and, and some of them you've been able to self fund, which is, which is awesome. Um, but I want to talk about building scale, which is something that you hear a lot about, but people don't really talk about it. And I want to talk a little bit about the definition of that. So, so stay tuned, folks, because you're going to learn a lot about business, uh, from this interview. But as you sort of think about the people, that have inspired you and, and the people that you say, Hey, that's a very successful entrepreneur. Um, what are, what are the traits typically? I mean, can you, uh, is there a common thread that sort of winds through, uh, these personalities that, that makes them successful? Yeah. So I, I use the term, um, um, modeling and opposite or the terms modeling and opposite modeling very often. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that, I was fortunate um, to be around some of the smartest people in this uh, city, in my opinion. Uh, I worked for Jeff Smith. I worked with Brent Bishore. Uh, I worked with, um, you know, Kelsey Meyer. And there's different things that of, uh, and then I'm friends with people like Brent Bukowski. And mm-hmm. so there's there's different things that happen where you admire. Like, for example, I just mentioned Brent. Um, he's helped me in a, a tremendous way because I was fairly cocky as an early entrepreneur. I was overconfident, thought I knew everything. And and when you run into somebody like that and you see the success and you see the humbleness there, it grounds you and and that stuck with me. And so I'm I'm lucky to have you know you know have that relationship there. Then you look at people like the example of Jeff Smith, where he, he owns JS Holdings. Um, you know the modeling that I got from him is that he was a bulldozer. He wouldn't let anything get in his way. Yeah, and from a standpoint is like uh, you know if there was an investor they wanted to get. Jeff put his sights on it and he'd figure out a way to get it done. And yeah. so, you know, those are things that was good. You know, Kelsey's empathy and um, things that she did to help me understand people and different sides of uh, an equation. And so, you know, you look at all these experience and Brent is uh, just a savant at investment and things like that. And mm-hmm. so from when I when you look at the different people I've been around, I, I love pulling the strengths when you admire something about someone and you're like, wow, they're so good at this area. Because a lot of entrepreneurs are like entrepreneurs are gifted by strength but severe weaknesses mm-hmm. we you know with with confidence comes uh, a blind eye to you know not treating someone how we should or something like that yeah. So when you look at that and you and I would have experiences where I'd see great things and I'd want to model and, and that's what I say the modeling. But then there's the opposite modeling. Um, I would compare it to someone, you know, you look at your, you know, you have a, a lot of the best dads or moms didn't have the best mom, uh, mom and dads because right. they weren't treated well. And they said, look, I'm going to give I, I'm going to make sure that I'm better as a parent. And so when you look at that, uh, I think that when people say, you know, I think the number one thing that of success in entrepreneurs is the people you surround yourself with, hands down. That's like my number one thing by far. I think that you are the average of the whatever five, ten, fifteen people you're around, mm-hmm. and so I think that's number one. But uh, number two is just uh, you know trying to identify how you can learn, be better from people's strengths, from people's weaknesses, learn from that, work on your own, get feedback from it, and become yeah. better. Yeah. So you uh, you mentioned some interesting uh, traits of people. So for Kelsey Meyer, uh, it was empathy, which is something that uh, you don't always see in a lot of very successful entrepreneurs. Uh, with Jeff Smith, it was drive, you know, and just uh, being a bulldozer. Uh, with uh, uh, with Brent B. Shore, you you called him a savant, just really having a very good understanding of of investment opportunities. Mm-hmm. So. How would you describe your 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 own traits? I mean, what 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 is it that has made you successful? 
Um, I guess. I mean, it's just the combination of that. I like. I would say that what's made me successful is I I've made those mistakes and I've learned from those people. Um, I think that working hard, it's like the no-brainer. It's like, you know, working hard is an important part of of success. Uh, I think surrounding yourself with good people. So I would say a lot of my success is because of the people I surround myself with. Um, you know, I'm able to support them in a way that brings out the best in them, and they are able to support me mm-hmm. and, and uh, bring the best out of me. And so, like, uh, for me, it's like I think I'm successful because – I value relationships and I and I want people truly to succeed around me and I think that the best relationships are when you care about people you 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 know help elevate their lives mm-hmm. they're going to do things for you that are amazing as well think Ted Lasso mm-hmm. it's like um you know I, I watched that I was just watching that show last night and I was like Man, you know, Ted, uh, and I'm, I'm sure he's going to win at some point the championship, but, uh, I don't want to be a, uh, I guess I don't want to be a spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but, right. but, uh, you know, you, you watch things like that and, and it's admirable how some of the best leaders, entrepreneurs, are people that, you know, look like, I think the example that I, uh, when Ted Lasso goes in, instead of coaching soccer, he fixes the shower heads to make sure the pressure is good for the players so they're happier. Yeah. Um, you know, this morning I spent, um, you know, getting someone's computer ready for them. Uh, I, uh, then I went and made sure somebody was needing help lifting something. So I did that. Now, is that the most use of my time? Well, no, I shouldn't be doing that every day, but I think the things that I want to do is show people that, you know, I'm going to look out for you, elevate, you know, your life, and then we can work towards a common goal, which ultimately leads to success a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. You know, it's interesting. I, I had a chance to uh, sit next to you at a, at a luncheon that, that we hosted here at Zimmer a few weeks ago, months ago, and we were talking about some of the sort of the success that has come out of Columbia, Missouri, and, and it, it's kind of interesting, you know, for those of us that have been here a while, but but we've seen in the, in the last 10, 15 years, you know, the, the emergence of Veterans United and Equipment Share and, and, uh, even Storage Trust or Storage Mart, you know, a, a company that is a, a national company now. Uh, the list is long. And is there something special about Columbia? I mean, is there fertile ground for these types of startups that become successful? Or is that just, is that can happen anywhere if you just do it right? There's different strengths and weaknesses in a city. Like, so we have an office in or in Salt Lake City as as well. We've had an office in Palo Alto, um, in San in San Francisco, and it, every city has their strengths and weaknesses. Like, you go, you walk in San Francisco, you walk ten steps, you're walking into someone who's multimillionaire. Ten yeah. more steps, billionaire. You know this. Ten more steps, someone who's homeless. Yes, sure. Yeah, you nailed it there. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. Once again, everything has uh, different characteristics of a city. Yeah. Uh, what I would tell you about Columbia is. Um, the, the way that as you get success, there's this, um, to me, there's this, um, uh, I don't know, I would say, uh, you know, as you succeed, not a requirement, but something that you should look back and pay it forward. And Brant's a great example of that. When you look at, uh, him, you know, he supported Zapier, which is, is actually one of the, uh, the most successful companies launched right. in the last 10 years. Which of, I didn't uh, even mention. Yeah. Yeah. You know, multi-billion dollar yeah. company there. Uh, equipment share started from our office. Uh, we, uh, you know, Kelsey, amazing group of, uh, women, Alyssa Brown, uh, Patius and, uh, different people. And, uh, we supported, uh, you know, startup weekend. Um, uh, we supported startup weekend with, 
uh, and B-Shore's help as well. And when you look, Zapier started from there. Yeah. I remember I was in their garage, you know, as an advisor early on. And, you know, they the were great guys. And, the, and you see the vision. And, and we supported there. Uh, you know, when Brant, we needed his help, he stepped in. When we need Kelsey's help, when we needed different people. That's not super common. It, yeah. it, like, what I mean by almost like the A-team, it's like, you know, or Thundercats. I don't know the old school things. But when the, you see something that needs support or help, there's a group of people. And I just, I just mentioned a couple of them but there's actually you know more out there that we kind of get together and we say let's help yeah. when equipment share needed that boost to start a weekend we kind of was like this is a real company good yeah. people and we all got behind it so i think that is rare is that there are really really good people that sort support business here. yeah that's the voice of john hall we'll continue our conversation with him right after this break you're listening to the ceo roundtable on 93.9 the eagle This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Glad that you have tuned in. We've been having a fascinating conversation with John Hall. We've been talking about what's in the drinking water in Columbia, Missouri that uh, uh, that makes so many startup businesses successful. And and it really sounds like, John, the, the main ingredient is collaboration, uh, people who have a willingness to pay it forward. And, and it doesn't happen all the time, but uh, the times that it does happen, it seems to really count. I mean, would you agree that that's, that's really what the driving factor? Yeah, and I would say that it's something we can get better at here and that's yeah. what i'm trying to get better at is because I, I told you before the break it, it's a small group yeah you know when i mean atm i mean like what the atm was like four or five people or whatever yep, yep. um and uh i think that that's what we need to get better at is like this the people that i've you know mentioned yeah they've been there but it shouldn't be 10 15 people it should be 50 it yeah. should be 100 uh we're raised on you know midwest values around here which are different than the coast and i, I there's great people anywhere in the world i don't want to yeah. say that but i will say that um something i'm trying to do more and I, I think you heard it in the lunch is trying to connect more good people together so that when you know you do you know say hey you know we got to get behind support this company cuz with equipment chair, you know the growth of that has been great for our company yeah. or for our uh, community. city community, yeah, community. and so yeah. so you better believe when yeah. Willie and Javik needed stuff, you know we were, I, I hope I was there for them. I'm on one of their advisory boards, and yeah. um, you know it's important that we keep that up and grow it as their success. You pay it forward, you connect to other good people, and then you try to raise other people up with you. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to talk about a couple of companies that you have been uh, intimately involved with. Uh, uh, one is Calendar, uh, and is it Calendar.com or calendar what do you what do you call the company yeah we actually own the domain calendar.com but yeah. we, we call it calendar we own time bridge uh, uh the domain appointment.com and different things so but the key holding company is calendar yeah and and the really the the primary function of that company has to do with helping business people be, be more productive uh increasing productivity so tell me a little bit about how calendar functions and what are the the main features that, that people would be interested in sure and, and, and let me actually tell you it's like why we start what the reason why we started it was because I actually was going to do a different product because, uh, and it was about relationships. My friend had uh, started has, had uh, started a company called Contactually, and it was doing really well. And it's about managing relationships, but it was really spread out through like oh, hundreds, thousands, almost like a 
you know, CRM or customer relationship management software. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I would like, I truly believe it's the five, the 10, the 20 people in your life that can, you know, bring the best out of you. So I wanted to create a basically a software to help you manage those relationships and spend, you know, spend time, you know, be dedicated to your wife, your, you know, kids and actually, um, you know, make your time meaningful, but with meaningful people around you. So anyway, I started developing this software after, um, I exited at the end of the influence co relationship. And it was crazy that, um, you know, people love the idea and they wanted to do it, but the key barrier was time. Yeah. They were like, like, you know, you're a good dude. You're, there's other good people here. And you're like, yeah, of course I want to be good to my wife, my best friend, my this. It's more of it. It was just crazy where we were limited on time. So I, my business partner, John uh, Rampton, uh, now uh, with Calendar and some of our projects here, he had already, uh, you know, he was acquiring the domain. He simply got, it was an impossible domain to get, but he got it by simply helping out. The, he's he's wired in a, in a way I respect where he, he truly gives and helps others very consistently. And he helped the right person at the right time. And then he was able to acquire the domain. And so what ended up resulting is that um, I got connected to him and we were like, hey, let's let's build something something about time then because the problem is is that it's we want to build more tools about relationships in life but if people don't get their time prioritized well then that's a problem and so we started calendar and what we like what i like about it is that for example uh, just the the summary of it's it's a it's a schedule it's an app that helps with scheduling time analytics and so you can go like just think of how often you are wasting time with back and forth email like oh, yeah. for example hey fred are you free this time uh well i don't know let me check oh yeah are you free this time well i'm free this time the average email when you're trying to schedule goes back and forth like two to three times at least and so when you look at that it was like okay you're wasting time there simply um and and that's just like the base and basic functionality of it uh then the next thing is like well, you don't prioritize time either. So I'll give you an example of what I do. There's, I have about 10 time slots. And what I mean by time slots, there's 10 links that I can send out for you to schedule time with me. Right. And it makes it very easy and shows you where it's, where, when I'm open, when I'm not. My wife has a very different link than you, Fred. Uh-huh. No offense. <laughs> um, my wife is very, very available, or she she pretty much can have my time whenever you know it's yeah. needed. She she trumps yeah. everything. Um, you know, you're what I would say is a acquaintance that I want to get uh, get to know more. Yeah. So you have a specific link too. Mm-hmm. Then there's also you know students or people who reach out who have a specific link. Now they don't know, but I know. Yeah. But what's beautiful about that is when people schedule and you look at my calendar, I know exactly how my day is going to be. Yeah. I know who, you know, how I should prioritize my time. I know how the call is going to happen. Mm -hmm. I know if I should prepare for it. So if it's a, you know, something where it's like a certain link, um, it's a big client link. I know that it actually automatically blocks off 30 minutes prior so that I can prepare for that client call. That's cool. And and so when you, when you think about like people hijack your schedule all the time and people put stuff on your calendar and that's the, like uh, one of the, the, the best actually HBR did a study on uh, time blocking and time blocking is the number one tool to prioritize your time and be efficient with your time. So what mm-hmm. I mean by time blocking is that you are blocking off your time in increments where you're being thoughtful about how you're spending it. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's limiting you as yeah. well. So for example, you know, if you're like my whole day is planned, but I, I actually budget in, you know, time like for walks yeah. to actually give my brain a, uh, in rest for working out, spending time with kids. Yeah. Um, so that fills up 
But what I love about that is when, you know, I'm using calendar, I'm sending that link is that's blocked off. Yeah. I'm not saying, oh, well, something came up with work. So now I can't hang out with my kids. No. Yeah. You know, you start prioritizing naturally. So that's what I love about scheduling tools is that the more you use it and there's great. I'm just telling you the personal use yeah. and like why I yeah. love it. Uh, there's huge business uh, opportunity and um, with sales and different things. But that was like the number one reason why I got involved and got excited. It's, you know, it gives shape and structure to your life. And, you know, I work with some authors. I have a, a small a publishing imprint that I, and, and that's something that we really have to do with new authors to say, hey, look, uh, you are going to block out this time for writing uh, no matter what else is going on. I mean, you, you've agreed to it weeks in advance that you're going to write it for this 45 minute period. And so that really helps. One of the things that I saw on your website, and, and you do some national speaking and you've gotten great reviews from organizations where you spoke at their national conference and stuff. But, but one of the things that as on your speaker website, you say, Hey, and there's a picture of you and your, and your wife and your two kids. And you say, Hey, I love spending time with my family and I don't want to waste my time speaking to your organization if, if we're not going to be on target or point mm-hmm. or whatever. And so it, it shows that family is a huge priority to you, which, which is great. But, but that I, I really admire that. And, and, uh, let me just segue into that real quick. Tell me about some of the speaking gigs. I mean, you, you've gotten great reviews. Is that something you enjoy doing? I love helping and educating people because yeah. it's great. Like, I mean, if money truly didn't matter, I would have just been a teacher. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, yeah. I feel like teachers should, should make more money yeah. than yeah. they do. And, yeah. and I wanted, uh, and so speaking is amazing because you can actually make a lot of money and you yeah. can educate and help people. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned, by the way, thanks for pointing out is two kids. I actually have three kids. So I got to get oh, that updated yeah. before my, my four year old. <laughs> you have been that. productive. My four year old boy is going to be like, Oh man, you just, <laughs> you just leave me out, buddy. Uh, so four uh, years, you need to. <laughs> You need to plug that into the calendar, dude. <laughs> that is for sure, man. Thanks for helping out. I appreciate you, Fred. But um, no, uh, it's it's one of those, uh, like the reason why I say is that, and I do turn down sp- uh, speeches, is that if I can't be valuable and if I can't be helpful, I don't want to do it at this point because I would love to be at home. Like yeah. I enjoy my hanging out with my wife, kids, friends, yeah. um, you know, helping out teammates. So if I'm out and traveling, it's it, I want to make a difference. It, it, and that's where the element of money doesn't, you know, it, it, it's, it's not the, the number one factor why I speak it's because if I and that's I opened the speech I, I actually I talk about being real is that I put my real email on there I put um, mm. you know uh, I say I always show up before and it, um, you know and talk to people prior and I talk to people at the end and I stick around and answer questions um, and the reason why is because I can't change a life in 40 minutes yeah. like you can't yeah. uh, you know you might be able to spark and get somebody on a path but um, for me, when I'm not, if I'm choosing to spend my time, we're only on earth for a certain amount of time and mm-hmm. I want to help. So that's why I'm very clear. Like I turned to somebody who was like, it was a, I forgot, it was like a farmer's association and they were like, we want you to speak on this and we're going to pay this much. And I was like, you know what? I, honestly, guys, I love it. It's a great fee that you offered. But at the same time, is I don't feel like I'm the right speaker. So mm-hmm. what I'd like to do is recommend a friend of mine who's yeah. going to knock it out of the park for you. Yeah. And so I think that's a part of um, what I talk about with top of mind and, you know, some of the messages and what we will probably get in the, you know, in the book I wrote. But yeah. um, in reality, if you want to be uh, engaging to people and people be drawn to you, you want them to trust you. Mm-hmm. So that to me is an element of trust is that if I can't truly help you, but I can still make money, the right thing to do is to say, look, you know, uh, I'd love to take this on. I'm just not the right person. I'm not going to be the the 
person that can drive the most value to you. Yeah. And then I'll send that intro. And what happens is that they get go to that person. Actually, my call after you is a, a friend of mine, Brittany Hodak, who's a, a speaker, amazing woman speaker that just knocks it out of the park every time and, and when, when it's in her wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And I send, um, you know, when I send an intro to her, she nails it, and the, I almost always get a response from the people who booked and said, "Hey, thanks, man! Like, oh, that's neat. I really appreciate yeah. that you did that because you could have taken it. and She was actually a perfect fit. And then yeah. Brittany sends business my way because she knows what's a fit yeah. for me. And so that's to me how you create an army of advocates. Yeah, is that when you connect those dots? And I love the like people talk about inbound marketing and you know drawing opportunity to you. The best way you can draw opportunity to you is if you have an army of people out there as advocates that know what you do and what you can knock out of the park. And and they'll consistently be sending the right fits to you. More referrals happen. It's just the ecosystem I try to create within our organizations is based around that. And so it ultimately brings, it, it makes your company, yourself, a magnet to opportunity. Yeah, that's fascinating. One of the things that we're going to talk about your book here in a few minutes, but I, uh, I'm, I'm just going to give you a 15-minute warning here. Uh, I want you to recommend some of the best business books you've ever read, okay? So I'm going to, uh, sure. and I should have given you more notice about that, you. But, but you can think about that for a second here. Um, I want to talk about your other company that you've been uh, intimately involved with, and it's called Relevance. Uh, tell us what Relevance does. It's it's my understanding it's, it's a growth marketing of, of that uh, basically using digital public relations, right? Yeah, it's a combination of uh, PR, SEO, thought leadership together. I almost look at it as a Venn diagram. You have content, marketing, and thought leadership. That's The idea of that is cr- creating good content on your site and from you that people can trust and educate that will ultimately get people to hire you. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have a PR, which is the validation of that. Other influencers, contributors, journalists, writers, referring to that source as a, a great uh, f- uh, form of information and that people should trust in the industry. Then you have SEO that helps with the distribution of that, which SEO search engine and optimization for readers who don't know it's it's the showing up for search when you're typing in things to google so in that case just look at that ecosystem you're creating good content that people trust you're getting people in the industry to talk about it as you the industry leader and refer to you as this good source for information then you're optimizing for search so you're showing up mm. um and that's where distribu- heavy distribution comes where a lot of eyes and visibility is getting on it so when you look at it i described a venn diagram there in that center that's where we focus uh, with relevance and what is really cool about that is that um, we didn't actually, we kind of fell in, like a lot of the things that I end up doing is, is you fall into because you see the value. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'll give you an example. You know, uh, when when I first partnered with um, my, my business partner currently, um, we decided to do those tactics with any company we invested in because we were just a holding company that was going to make investments, mentor other entrepreneurs and, you know, see it grow. But then we uh, got involved in a company called Gap Wireless. Uh, we loved it because it was safe technology for children. Hmm. Um, one of the the things that we have to worry about a lot is that kids um, are addicted to uh, you know uh, uh, to iPhones and things like that, where they have access to porn, pornography, things like that, and it, and it's absolutely terrible for our kids. Yeah. So we got involved in Gab um, because it's uh, safe technology, watches, phones for uh, for kids uh, pretty early on, and we were using some of these strategies, and it was doing really really well. And um, you know then we started doing it for other things. We got involved. Uh, with uh, we were owners in Nature Box, we were owners in a variety of. I think at that time we had a portfolio of five to ten um, different companies that were all ex- excelling because we were doing these strategies. Hmm. So then some larger companies came to us, saw what we were doing. They're like, "Wait a minute, this is like." This is exactly how industry leadership should be. You should earn it. Uh, Google was coming up with updates that were valuing the direction we were going to. So then. Um, 
we ended up acquiring Relevance, which was a, a publication, uh, it, it was basically a, a, a publication that was a leader in content distribution, content marketing, things like that. And then uh, what ended up resulting is that it, in, over time, it just naturally ended up, it wasn't even the intention, it ended up turning into a very successful agency here in town. It's got about 30 people. Hmm. Uh, we limit it because we want to um, pick and choose kind of who we deal with. We want to get behind great companies, good people. We don't want to just have to get revenue to get revenue. And so it's worked out really well because it's it's a very great tight niche group. They're a good they're a great culture, good clients, and it's turned out to be uh, uh, one of the more things I've been proud of over the years. So yeah. it's, it's been great how very, we fell into it. Very cool. That is John Hall, a serial entrepreneur that uh, is based out of Columbia. Here got a lot of great companies that he works with, and uh, we're going to talk about his book when we come back. Uh, it is called Top of Mind. Uh, all of that and more is coming up on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. You're listening to 93.9 The Evening. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable. Fred Perry, this is our third and final segment of the program. We are visiting with John Hall. Fascinating conversation about um, the many things that he's been involved with. Uh, talk about your book, uh, Top of Mind. It looks like it did very well uh, on the bestsellers list. Uh, uh, what, what would people learn by reading your book? Yeah, it actually, this book came up because I was speaking at the time. There was a, a, a guy who I really respect. Uh, his name's Rohit. He uh, actually um, wrote like economics and different um, great, or he's a best-selling author himself. And he, he heard me speak um, one time and he goes, man, you, you talk about this top of mind engagement. And it really draws me in. He's like, I love it. And, and it actually like kind of, it's like, yeah, that's kind of interesting how you, you pointed that out. I use the word top. I didn't even know I used top of mind all the time. <laughs> I was like, well, thanks, man. So like that helps me be self-aware of it saying the same word all the time but then when you look at like how we do things moving forward like trust is a massive issue moving forward we're not going to get like if you look at media you look at politically trust is especially the pandemic and different things like uh, trust rates are going down and so the reason why i like the top of mind methodology and what i mean by that is you're engaging people in a natural way so that you um are on their mind at the right moment at the right time so that opportunity comes to you but also that connection happens Mm. and i think it's not just about professional it's about personal connection too i should be top of mind with my wife i should Mm -hmm. be top of mind with my friends because and you you want to engage people in certain ways and i think even if it's a client or it's a you know client customer partner if you're engaging people consistently in meaningful ways they're going to be drawn to you so i love it moving forward because trust is the biggest one of the biggest issues that we have to overcome yeah. and when i you know what i wrote in the book and what i talk about in speeches it, it's it's talking about that and i think it's it actually does make a difference in relationships so we we ended up publishing uh, mcgraw hill uh, you know bought you know bought it which is yeah. one of the largest publishers big, in the world big publishing house that's pretty impressive yeah, it was, it was great. And, um, you know, I had a good experience, uh, with them and, and they ended up selling. Actually, I was just joking around with my wife. It's actually still selling. I read it six years ago and I was like, man, I was like, I need to update because there's some things I for, for sure <laughs> think have changed in the world. And yeah. so, um, but yeah, it's done well. Um, I, I like it just because it gave me a chance to, to help at scale. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I get constant, I think everybody's, uh, like when they message me on LinkedIn or, or, uh, you know, email or whatever, and they, they get a response. They're like, Hey, just wanted to let you know that, you know, really enjoyed this book or the, and, and then I respond and I always respond. I say, Hey, thank you very much. Really appreciate that. You took the time to read, to yeah. read it. Yeah. And they're almost surprised. They're like, is this really like, you know, whatever <laughs> I'm like, this is a problem in the, a lot of times in the world, yeah. speakers, authors, 
people try to act like they're above people when in reality, yeah. just because you write, like a book is one of the most amazing things to create credibility and trust yeah. and authority. I think it's a great investment. I think publishing is a great investment. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it doesn't mean that you should act like you're above people. Yeah, right. And so I think that for me, it's um, it's great to, to be able to engage people and, you know, from that, you know, after they read the book. And also, you know, give it out to people and I'll highlight things and say, hey, this, you know, you asked my advice. Here's something I wrote about. And so I, I just enjoy having it. Yeah. So let's jump right into uh, maybe the the some of the top business books that you've read uh, that you think would be would be good for entrepreneurs and just business people at any level. Yeah. So I'll be I'll, I'll disclose I'm a little biased because some of these are, are friends. Uh, Essentialism was a great book. Mm. Uh, you know, if you know, watch Steve Harvey show and some of the most busy people on the planet, they practice essentialism from a great. Greg, who's the author and a friend, and uh, spent some time with him in the past, and he he practices what he preaches, and that's something I really love about uh, him and others that I'll mention is because I trust me, I'm on the cert, I've been on the speaking circuit, I know a lot of these authors that you yeah. would be like, wow, the best selling author here. A lot of them are just kind of full of it, to be honest yeah. with you. They yeah. they don't practice what they preach. Right. I know somebody who wrote a re- relationship book, and it's terrible to people when I'm around been them. More seven times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so I look at it as like I you know know some of these people, so that's why I'm you know behind their books and um you know i really liked uh, that i like elevate with bob glazer um that's a really good book i think um and essentialism the reason why i like that one in particular is because a lot of times people are going through hard times or they're not focused or they're you know they're stressed out and essentialism is the idea of separating all those distractions and and focusing on what truly is important and the reason why i like that and tell people to read it is because i think it does help with mental health i think it helps with uh focus i think it, it can make you a happier person but it also is great for business uh, I like um, Giftology was good. It was written by John Roland, uh, and it was, uh, and he's a friend of mine from St. Louis. And it's about how to be more thoughtful. And I wouldn't say like you know it, it's all about gifting, but what I like about the message is being thoughtful and. Um, adding pers- uh, personal touches to gifts um, and how it's almost combining le- love language. Just don't give a gift. Give a gift and show appreciation by the personal note and the thought behind it. Yeah. Uh, so I like things there. Um, Shoe Dog, I don't I don't know Phil Knight, honestly, So, uh, uh, but it's yeah. a great entrepreneurial book because Nike, everybody's like, oh, Nike's great. It, <laughs> Nike almost failed like multiple times. Right, right. And so I think, uh, you know, fearlessness and and determination is is a great lesson from that book. So it's similar to the modeling opposite modeling. Yeah. I never listen a hundred percent to one book. What I do is I pull like in shoe dog determination, fearlessness, mm-hmm. essentialism, focus, um, you know, m- mental health. Um, the giftology one is being more thoughtful in yeah. how you communicate, and so that's what I like about when you're reading content. You've talked a lot about trust during this program. Uh, what about uh, Stephen M. R. Covey's book, uh, The Speed of Trust? Is that something that that you thought had a relevant message? Yeah, yeah, no. And, and if you read it, like my content aligns with that, and like Simon Sinek, start with why, and mm-hmm. uh, you know why you're doing something. And so um, those are common ones. A lot of times I like uh, mentioning ones that might. She Dog's probably the most popular out of that yeah. one. Yeah. I like getting on people's radar, but I, Covey's great. Um, you know. And Simon, Simon Sinek's great, you know, like our, yeah. our content yeah. really aligns and he's a great. But overexposed. Yeah. Yeah. In some respects. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fascinating. I want to talk to you about uh, scale and building scale. So help us understand the definition of what it means to build scale, uh, to gain scale for, for a company. Um, I mean, it, it, it's really, um, there's a massive difference between starting a company or being an entrepreneur and scaling. And I, like, I'll tell you, for example, I'm not amazing at building, like, uh, like as when we were building Influence Car, I felt like even at the end, I was becoming less valuable because as you get to a hundred some people, 
Um, you know, there's certain leaders that are great for certain, you know, certain things. Like I'll give you an example uh, with, you know, relevance, even though like I'm more of an advisor, you know, now. And it's because like Misty Larkins, who's the president um, and yeah, Emma Kessinger, Will Arlinson, they're, they're leaders who are absolutely taking, um, you know, uh, over in a way where they can build better than I can. Mm-hmm. They can develop processes better. They can do now. Sure, I might be able to add something at certain times, um, you know, but at the same time time is that I think that you got to be honest on what are your strengths and when and one of your strengths should be identifying when it's your time to bow out and to get good people in place that are great at the processes the scaling the you know training people managing people I wouldn't say I'm the best manager in the world, but I, I try to be a good leader. Um, you know, I try to lead in ways where I think about others and create opportunities. And um, but I would say I'll get it about seventy percent of the way there. But to scale, a lot of times you need to be at ninety, ninety-five, yeah. or you just scale a crappy company. And so scaling is taking a successful company and making it a big successful company, mm-hmm. correct? Okay. Well, it just depends how you met. Like scaling yeah. can be profit, revenue. Like I yeah. mean, I know I was just on the phone with a company this morning that does a hundred million dollars or like thirty people. You know, so wow. w- what's, you know, like, yeah. let's say there's a landscaping company here that has 200 people. What's scale to you? And so mm-hmm. I, I look at, um, you know, it, it's, it's what do you, what do you view as success? Like, I don't want at this point to man or to have a 200 person company. Mm-hmm. Like, and also it's like, I love what Equipment Share does. I, I've loved, I love what, you know, uh, VU's done. Uh, they do a phenomenal thing for the community, but I'm not on that path. Like in reality is that I would um, probably, uh, you know, put other leaders in place, that, you know, for that, because for me at this point in my life, I really do, you know, like I, I even learned as my companies got to 70, 80 people, it's like, you know, I didn't know people we were hiring, you know, somebody would get hired. I wouldn't even get, to, you know, I'd try and go say hi really quick, but that wouldn't be meaningful. So yeah. now we build things and we scale based on like uh, profit revenue. We own some very large companies, but the core, you know, group of people that are, are employees here in Columbia or yeah. Salt Lake, we might own the company that's 200 or 300 person, but we're more at investors yeah. supports. Um, but yeah, so it's, I, I think scaling and success is a very, uh, it's a difficult world word to pin down because I just tell people, I'm like, guys, success is measured. Scale is measured very differently between us. Yeah. Find out what success and scaling is to you and what makes you happiest. And for me, like I'm there, I'm working with really good people that care about each other. And that's more important to me and scaling profit and revenue. Now we will scale a little bit slower if like that method, um, you know, rather than being like, oh, let's put butts in seats here. Let's do this. Let's hire this. But in reality, I, I want people who are around us at this point, like the key word I always say is elevate, like let's elevate each other's lives. And that to me is we scale based on how we elevate each other's lives, not just on, you know, one metric of how many people you hire or, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to spend the last couple of minutes we have here just talking about advice that you would give people. Uh, during the break, we talked about, you know, in many respects, we see it so often these days that, that age 70 is kind of the new age 50. What we used to think about 70, you know, you'd be in a nursing home. But there's a lot of people who are in their 60s and 70s who uh, had had very successful careers. Uh, maybe they've just been a mid-level bank manager manager or whatever, but but there's time for them to do something else with their lives. What advice would you give somebody who is ready to reinvent themselves and try something completely different from what they did for their full career? 
Yeah, I see so much value in those 60, 50, 60, 70. Like there's, oh my, like the, the modeling there, the loyalty that those, they stayed at companies for 30 years, 20 yep. years. And yep. I mean, loyalty, um, hard work. Gosh, your work ethic is like, um, you know, the generation above me is just uh, very, very proud of that generation for the work ethic. Yeah. So you have these massive, massive strengths. Um, the weaknesses though come to with change, not being open to things, uh, not being open to diverse opinions, uh, mm. feeling that, uh, you still can't learn. Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to call people. I'm just trying to be honest here. But, but in reality is that like, I'll give you an example, Fred, when I, um, this was a, a, like a moment for me where I had to understand people are different and generations are different. I went to my, um, firstborn Addie. She was five or six at the time. And I gave her my, my watch that was a Timex watch. And it was my favorite toy that lit up Indigo. And I was so thrilled that it lit up Indigo as a kid. And I got so excited to pass. I kept it just so I could give it to my, my kids. I give it to Addie and she, and I got a video of this if you look at my speaking site, but, and Addie goes, call Grandma Hall. And I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? And she's like, call Grandma Hall. Uh, this is, it won't even work, Dad. And I'm like, no, it lights up blue. She's like, yeah, I see that, but it won't call Grandma. Wow. And I'm like, I take a step back. I was frustrated, Fred. Yeah. I was actually frustrated with my daughter, who's this beautiful woman <laughs> that yeah. I'm raising with my wife. And, you know, and I, I'm mad at her, which, you know, it took me a step to, or a second to realize is like, wow, different generation being raised differently. And I think that's very important for that. Um, I, I would say, like, my advice would be don't be scared, um, because you're, you're very valuable at that age with your experiences and your, you know, your work ethics and some of the great things about you. Don't be scared of, you know, coming, getting back in the game, but just be open to change learning from others because nothing like when there's like a 70 year old that knows how to like code or knows yeah. how, understands seo i'm like oh my gosh i'm yeah. like trust me you are differentiated so i would definitely encourage people's like be open because you have value you're you have skills that are, are incredibly valuable to the workforce now mm-hmm. so so just be very open to what you can learn from the younger people what skills you can get because i'm telling you you would be you'll be very differentiated yeah. if you know you know ai as a 70 year old which yeah. and trust me you can get it if i yeah. can get ai you can because i'm not there's smarter people than me in this yeah. world for sure yeah well john we could have talked for a couple more hours about uh, stuff going on if people want to find out more about your book or about your speaking or about your companies is there a good website for them to go to yeah, I mean, I would check out calendar.com. It's, I mean, there's a free trial, so it's like you, you um, you know, you get time to check it out. So that's what I've talked about. I've ta- um, talked about, uh, relevance, um, you know, relevance.com, uh, uh, the, you know, that those are the sites there. Uh, if you go to my LinkedIn, um, you know, connect and just say, Hey, you know, you saw you on Fred's, uh, you know, wanted to connect and saw you on Fred's show. And I will, you know, if, if that's in the message, I'll, I don't connect with everybody, but if they're a friend of yours, Fred, I'll, I'll okay. connect. Very good. Uh, or a listener. And then, um, yeah, I mean, speaking site or you know really anything I, I try to like I said is that I try to be as uh, accessible as possible but I also have to yeah. manage my time right. well so yeah. it's like you know I don't mind connecting but I just have to be careful yeah. time great message great conversation John Hall thank you for joining us this weekend we appreciate it very much that's John Hall I'm Fred Perry you've been listening to the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle this city is my city